I may need to take a break here. I, I apparently I've been playing inebriator, and I'm starting to slur my words here. <laughs> Shoot the core cast. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is the family-friendly, shmup-themed podcast that ponders the question, Demonizer? I hardly know her! From RFGeneration.com, I am Metal Fro, also known as the Game Boy Guru, and my co-pilot on this mission, as always, is... Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups. Thank you, Rodney. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, and RFGeneration.com is the place to be on the interwebs for all of your game collecting and uh, retro gaming needs. We've got a great website with a huge database that you can catalog your library of games, articles on the front page, forums where you can uh, come join us for a Shmup Club playthrough, and also talk about various other gaming related topics, and an active Discord that you can come and join, uh, linked right from the front page of rfgeneration.com and uh, our own channel on that for the podcast as well. So it is all free to use. Come join us at rfgeneration.com. You know, it really has saved me over the years, having everything in cataloged in the database. It saved me from buying that European version of E.T. for the 25th time. <laughs> Uh, well, if you've come across ET, a European version of E.T. 25 times, I would say that you have scraped the bottom of the barrel, collecting-wise. I tell you, I found some weird stuff on the wilds. I've found a Russian version of Sirius Sam, Israeli copy of Comanche 4. There's all sorts of weird stuff out there. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've uncovered a few odd bootlegs and... Uh, you know, Chinese variants and things like that. So it's out there. All right. Well, the game that we played during the month of March that we're talking about tonight is Demonizer. But before we get into that, we have a question of the month that we asked, and we got a huge response on Twitter with this. So the question is, what quality of life features do you look for in a modern shoot 'em up game? And our first response comes from Steven Eider, who says, These days, just some good old availability. Looking forward to the upcoming R-Type. <laughs> and then he followed that up uh, shortly after that with a second tweet that says, Oh, actually, being able to set a button to rapid fire. <laughs> our next response comes from Chris B. Chips. Yep, 100% this in response to Steven Eider. <laughs> That's a great, uh, that's a great Twitter handle, Chris B. Chips. <laughs> All right, uh, J at J Bertoft says save states and level select for practicing. Having the option to turn off slowdown is great, and I'm all for keeping the original intact. But the option is nice. A less collection got this perfect. 
Yeah, I would have to agree with the M2 treatment as being the majority of the QOL or quality of life features I'm looking for. Our next at comes from at Retrocade Media. Practice mode. If I'm trying to 1cc a shmup, it's infinitely less frustrating to be able to practice each stage. I don't mind having to get to the stage before I can practice it though. And this is something that I'm seeing a lot more shmups. It's a good trend. And in fact, it's something that I've started using for our shmup of April. Yes, and something that uh, I used for our shmup that we're talking about this episode. And we'll get into that later. Uh, our next response here comes from Pony Tatsujin, who says, Rapid fire, difficulty settings, extra modes, usually just those. But the most important one is rapid fire. Our next one comes from us at Pondering Ghost, a sound test. I agree, I like listening to the soundtrack for a game, even more so if it has alternate modes. I think for a console game, that's a a must feature or a, a, a valuable feature. Now for PC games, it depends, because a lot of indie games will allow you to either extract the soundtrack... Uh, or it's you know in in some kind of audio format already in the install folder, so in those instances it's less useful. But yeah, for console shmups, I would say definitely a sound test is something that it should have. Our pal Zoido says save states and replay save. And we've got one from the CollectorCast group from at CollectorCast. I can buy it physically. Best quality of life feature. And <laughs> I have to say that having stuff on physical is great. I find myself, when it comes to Switch, double dipping. <laughs> or, I, I, I don't know if you follow the same way, but I find myself where I, I will buy like the limited run version. And then I'm, I'm thinking, yes, I'm going to play this, but I'll just end up buying the digital version. And then the other version just sits there sealed on my shelf. I don't know if that's a bad thing. I think a lot of people have been doing that, especially with something like Limited Run or some of the other uh, short-run publishers. I think people are doing that more where they'll order the physical version that comes with all the feelies and uh, you know various paraphernalia, and then they'll buy it digitally anyway so they can have it day one and start playing it. And then when it comes in the mail, either they leave it sealed... Or they open it up and and you know mess around with that stuff and maybe delete the download version from their console or SD card so that they can then go back and play it on the you know via the game card. But I think that's happening a fair amount these days. Yeah, I, I don't see many people hosting tea parties with a cotton tea set. <laughs> right. There. So yeah, good point. Uh, at Silphy 84231722 says replay capacities, save states, local and online multi-platform rankings, difficulty settings, sound test, fire rate settings, and physical buyance if possible. Classic stuff mixed with modern things. And that's a pretty comprehensive list, I would say. It is. Almost as comprehensive as this next one from at DS91. FGC. A good shmup should have save states, training for all levels with options, boss rush or boss training, replay recording, 
and Tate and Scanline options were needed. I'm sorry, Tate. <laughs> to offend anybody. That's all right. It, it, it is Tate. Uh, you're not uh, you're not uh, Joe and Dave from GameSock where they can get away with going Tate mode. I pulled the Joe. <laughs> you did pull a Joe. Uh, the next one is from at Eight Bit to Now. I loved what M2 did with Esperade. I found myself enjoying Yori's room far more than I thought, and got so much better at the game. Same with Aleste Collection. Fun challenge modes are a great addition in my book. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't messed with that yet, but I did play some of the challenge bits when uh, we were going through Ketsui uh, a couple of years back, and, uh, or, no, last year, <laughs> sorry, when we were going through Ketsui last year, and, um, yeah, I could see the, the challenge mode being, being a lot of fun, uh, particularly for someone who is either trying to learn the game, and so the challenge modes are sort of small bursts that you can use to practice, or for someone who's already mastered the game, it just provides them with another, another way to challenge themselves. I thought Jamestown did, a, or Jamestown Plus did a pretty good job of adding in challenge modes on there. Sometimes to the, uh, our frustration, if I remember correctly, but <laughs> yes. it, it, they still definitely added a lot more content to it without having to revamp and go, oh, it's, look, this time the enemies are blue instead of purple. Right. Yeah, it's a good way to add content and challenge without having to rehash what's already there too much. Right. So our next one comes from I am Nev G, and he says possibly save states or a way to earn more continues if the game has checkpoint response versus immediate response after death. Mars Matrix had a great system. It urged you to play to increase your chances and reduce difficulty just by playing the game to unlock lives, etc. Now Mars Matrix, there's a game I haven't played in a while, and we should definitely play that sometime soon. Indeed, and uh, I actually own that one now, so. <laughs> That'd be possible. At Midi Riots says, I would love to see fair and frequently set checkpoints again, but I might be an exception with this thought. Yeah, it, checkpoints are a bit of a divisive thing. I think a lot of people tend to prefer instant respawn, but then, you know, it really depends on the game. If a game is designed around checkpoints and you have some ability to power back up at the checkpoint, then I think that works fine. Uh, whereas if the game is designed to run instant respawn and gives you a way to sort of get back into the action without totally over overwhelming you a half a second before you respawn, or after you respawn, I should say, then, you know, that's good. So, yeah, I guess it depends on the game. As long as it's not super R-type, those checkpoints are brutal. Oh, Yes. All right, our next one comes from us, to us from at Need New Shorts. Ship upgrades, save states, a level of fairness and not just brutality. Less story, more action. So All right. I, I, would ha I would have to say that there, there's a point, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, where some of this stuff sort of ex expects you to have a certain skill set of, it's like, hey... I made this STG, and this is for people who play this stuff. And if you don't play it, you're just going to get destroyed. And I, 
I think it's really hard to find a balance, and it's something we'll talk a little bit more about later in this episode. Okay. At nshmups, which is the shmups and stuff on Switch account, quick restart is something I just find incredible to ever find not be included, but somehow you do see a surprising number of shmups without it. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh... Obviously, that's a thing with the M2 games, where you can sort of reload the level or quick restart the level or reload from a from a save state. And yeah, I think that is a, a feature that more games probably should be utilizing in this genre specifically. It's not just people who are experts on there. I mean, looking at some of the super plays posts on YouTube, you see a couple times where people will just restart and then on their third or fourth restart, then they'll finally be able to get the good start that they need and continue on with the game. So it affects all skill levels. Right. All right. Our next one comes to us from at Dental Face. Save states, replay save, leaderboards, customizable controls, volume adjustments for sound effects, OST, Tate option, a bunch of cool artworks for those who can't Tate. People brought it up already, but I did forget about Quick Restart. Very important. Same for various auto-fire settings. Though it's probably more of a concern with ports of old games. For PC games, full control or window mode, let me decide what size the window should be. And uh, so I definitely agree with the Quick Restart, as we talked about earlier in the replay, say, the sound effects, the Tate on here, and especially with the window mode. I mean, some of these you're looking at, and it's... It tells you, okay, you can have it in set position A, B, or C, which way do you want to do it. But as soon as you get anything that's not, you know, what they determine is to be scaled properly to make it look the way that they want it to be presented, it can be a problem. So I definitely appreciate being able to adjust the window size and move it around the screen. It's something that, again, M2 does a fantastic job of. Yeah. Yeah, the window size thing is tricky for a PC shmup, because if you're not talking about something that is old-school type pixel art, where you can sort of scale that in a easy fashion, newer games that are more 3D-based, or, I don't know, stuff that uses an odd aspect ratio might be more difficult to do that with. Um, but I think in, in theory and in principle, it's probably a, a good idea. Uh, at Easy Racer says a balanced respawn system. Most modern games do well with this. Anyone who's played the older Gradius games knows it's deceptive. They give you multiple lives. Get far enough into the game, and if you die, you might as well give up because you won't have enough firepower to survive. Yeah, Gradius Syndrome is something that's just. Uh, it's very difficult and can be frustrating on here. But it's almost become like a hallmark of its difficulty. It's sort, of, sort of like Dark Souls. You know, what's the best way to beat Dark Souls? Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. yeah, yeah, so it's sort of, out of along that way. And it's sort of part of for the course on there. It, it reminds me a lot of that old school mentality where people really want to master a game. Sort of along the same lines of thinking for R-Type and R-Type 2. Well, especially R-Type 2. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting to, to see how games have progressed. I don't know, could you 
see uh, old. I guess we're going to find out pretty soon if we see an old school style STG make it in new style era with the new Artec coming out. Right. Yeah, I mean, I get what Easy Racer is saying. And to an extent, I would agree. I think a game needs to be designed around being able to beat it with not just one life. Um, obviously, that's a that's a goal that a lot of people have, and a bit of a bad badge of honor in some ways. I mean, there's a reason that there's a distinction between a one credit clear and a one life clear. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think if a game practically forces you to beat it in just one life unless that one life like with Raiden 5 comes with a shield system multiple hits that kind of a thing you know if it's a one hit death kind of scenario like it is with most shmups then yeah when you die like we kind of said earlier either the checkpoints need to give you the opportunity to at least arm yourself a little bit or respawns need to be such that you've got a little bit of of invulnerability time and you know a couple of seconds to regain your composure and get back into the game you know but, but i have to say at the same time without gradius being so hard we wouldn't have the konami code as we know it this is true <laughs> all right our next one comes to us from at Barawar. Ideally, save states. Bare minimum, stage select. And yeah, I, I think that stage select that where you can practice is something that would be bare minimum accepted for any QL, or sorry, QL features for any new STG. Yep. Uh, at Maz 6708-6804 says, Save states for practice. Leaderboard with downloadable replays for route study at any skill level. Reading other comments, I forgot auto fire, quick restart, and customizable control. You know, with uh, download replays for route study, I wonder if how that's going to come into play in the future. Because it used to be back then you would buy the collector's edition and you get the super play DVDs. Right now, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. I don't know if that's going to come into be more like a DLC in the future. Like, here's how to beat the game, or, or you know, here's what you should do if you're playing this. I, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on on the game too. I don't think it's practical to do it for every game. My understanding, having spoken or having sort of chatted with some developers a while back and sort of watching some conversation, is that apparently programming in a replay feature is potentially almost as complex as programming the game itself. So you're almost doing twice the work and the question is are people actually using it? Now I know people are using the, that feature in Mushihime Sama Futari for example and M2 has put that feature in all of their Shot Triggers releases so I, I suspect that their forthcoming Toa Plan ports that they're going to be doing will likely also can uh, include those features. And I think that's a good thing, because I think replays are great, particularly for those who don't have the equipment or the ability to record their stuff the way that I do when I'm streaming, for example. You know, I can 
when I'm streaming, I can take any run and export that and save it somewhere. Or if I want to just play without streaming, I have the ability to record that footage with my computer without any real fuss. And so, yeah, it, it's a it's a great feature, and I, I do think that it is important to have. But, again, if it if it is as complex as I've heard, then it, it's it's questionable whether or not it's practical to include with a lot of games. All right, then our next one comes from us at the Gaming Hubby. Might have said before, but button remapping. Yeah, button remapping is something that is definitely needed when you're doing a port. There, it's something where somebody might feel comfortable with take Konami and uh, sexy Parodius they're being able to choose which one of those eight buttons or I forget how many buttons are on the PS controller will be able to press auto fire and it's going to be different for everybody else depending upon where you actually rest your hands and it's it's just a, a quick nice option to give and it doesn't seem like it takes a lot of development work to allow that to happen Right. Uh, our last entry comes from at Chrisman, who says, Save states, but really what I need is a training mode where you can select and practice individual sections of a level. Ideally, it should track your progress. M2 versions of Esperade and Aleste do this. So does Barrage Fantasia. And that is a brand new uh, doujin or indie shmup that just came out... Uh, as we record this, it just came out, uh, I think, within the last week or so. All right, we got ourselves in enough games to make it through the year. Huh. For myself, I think pretty much everything has been covered. We got a lot of great responses, uh, so thanks to everyone for, you know, for putting all of your ideas out there. I'm not sure there's anything I can realistically add other than asking for niceties like a gallery with concept art or, you know, those kinds of things. But that's just because I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really think of much either that people have added in. I really prefer, prefer the M2 treatment. I think the majority of the stuff they have done is been quite nice. And honestly, I would prefer to have seen the M2 treatment done on Raiden 5. There's a lot of this stuff on there. <laughs> His site is useless. I right. would have loved to see them done something fun. I, you know, okay, how about something about instead of the cheer meter, let's fill up the coffee meter. Collect yeah. enough coffee coffee beans or crystals and you fill up the coffee meter and then that fills up your special attack. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could just I could just hear uh, when you when, once your coffee meter is is all full, then you get a you know, coffee slurp sound. <laughs> that or it could be one of you know they say well, uh, get ready how about get caffeinated <laughs> right uh, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Moss uh, release of Raiden 5 or sorry not Raiden 5 Raiden 4 Overkill. oh yes the uh, Raiden 4 Mikado edition yep so be sure to pick that up I'm looking forward to that too and Rolling Gunner yes and, of course, we can't forget about Cotton. True, yes. Cotton comes out, I think, next month, and we can start getting some of that sweet, delicious candy. Oh, uh, yes. All the all the willows. 
Indeed. Well, let's move on from Willows to Demons here with a brief introduction to Demonizer. Demonizer was developed by Yori Branford and released as a 1.0 version on October 30th, 2020. It's available on Steam and itch.io. Versions include Windows, Mac OS, Linux, and Android. Now, uh, I do want to try the... There's a Pi version, correct? I want to try the Pi version one of these days. Yes. And I think the Pi version allows you to do... Uh, uh, something special with Tate, doesn't it? Yeah, actually, uh, Iori was telling me that uh, you can uh, you can take the Pi version and with the right equipment, output that to CRT and play it in Tate. That's right. You need a Pi hat or something, something there. I something think that, like that. Yeah, um, Mike Chi, the creator of the RetroTrink, I think has something very similar that would allow you to do CRT output. Nice. All right. The game takes its inspiration from raising or rising style games like Battle Garega and Armed Police Batrider. That's not a bad place to take your inspiration from. Very true. Iori has developed several previous games, many being short tech demo style experiences, including Twin Stick Shooter, Twin Thunder tr Trigger, a goofy platformer, Catwoman Crash. Now I got to try that one out. <laughs> in Vertical Shooter and Nibir, excuse me, Inebriator, which served as a prototype for what would become Demonizer. Did you try out the Inebriator mode in Demonizer? I did. It, yeah, it's funny the screen just gets blurrier and blurrier as as you get more points which makes your shots more powerful but then you of course uh well harder to see exactly you know it's, it's like putting on beer goggles and trying to play garega good luck <laughs> right so on february 17th 2021 i guess we're missing valentine's day just by a hair saw the release of version 1.1 which adds a new boss rush mode that unlocks when you finish the campaign mode. It also unlocks bonus or secondary character Snow to use from the start, rather than having to complete the campaign to unlock her. And as we record this, the most current build of the game is 1.1.0F. And I, I have to say, there are a lot of quality of life features that were added in this version that I liked. S stuff such as being able to select your level on there, uh, different objectives on there selecting your character I, I thought it was most impressive change from the 1.0 version that I was playing earlier yeah it, it really does uh, have a lot of that stuff built in so one of the cool things about the game is the all the control options obviously you can play with a keyboard since it's a PC game uh, you can play with a gamepad or joystick or you can play with a mouse you know, I will have to ask him to add in support for a fishing controller. <laughs> right. Oh, that would be great. Or dance pad. Oh, yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not a truly a, a game unless you can play with the Dreamcast fishing controller. Yes. Or a DDR pad. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the mouse control intrigued me because I'm old school in that I grew up playing PC games, and I played a lot of shareware games back in the day. And I played stuff like Raptor, Call of the Shadows, and Tyrion, both of which had mouse control as an option. 
And with Tyrion, I always went with mouse control. And I think with Raptor, I usually did too, because uh, it worked better than using a keyboard. So the mouse control thing intrigued me, particularly because it's sort of an analog to what we look at now as touch control on something like an iPad or some games on the Switch that support touch control natively. Uh, and so I I found that intriguing, and I, I definitely messed around with that a little bit this month. When you were playing Raptor or Tyrion, were you one of those people that flipped the mouse over and just started moving the rubber ball around? No. No? No. Oh, all right. I remember that there used to be control schemes built upon entirely upon that. Really? Well, it was like mainly for like flight simulators where people would put the mouse in there, and as you're moving, the, it was. I guess you could 3D print them these days. But as you were moving around the yoke, it would move the ball around in the mouse. Huh. Just sort of ingenious. I guess it's the same. We sort of had the same way when the Wii came about. Remember, you want to make this into a steering wheel? Plug the remote in. Oh, here, right. plug the remote here. It's a tennis racket. Here, it's a fishing controller. You know that that type of stuff. Yeah. No, I never did the I never did the flipping my mouse over thing. But this game has a pretty straightforward system. Uh, it's three buttons. So you have an auto fire shot button, which is your standard shot. Then you've got the focus shot, which, like a cave game and uh, like other similar games, will slow down your character movement. Assuming you're playing with keyboard or stick, obviously with mouse control you still have variable speed and then you got a and button to set up the bomb yes so, uh, you've got a button so that someone can set up us the bomb now the the shots that your protagonists fire if you will are these heart arrow things that sort of shoot out of their eyes and they don't kill enemies but they sort of turn them into hearts or like they they lay there with a big heart over them and so you can either get blue or pink hearts when you do that blue hearts are items which contribute both to your shot strength and your score uh, and then the pink hearts will add a demon companion so that person then becomes like part of your team I guess you could say they become an option like an option in Gradius kind of like that yeah and you can stock up to 10 additional components beyond what's active. Uh, excuse, uh, 10 additional companions beyond those that are active. Now, the there are uh, moments in the game where humans who are sympathetic to the demon plight, I guess you could say, or are friends, they will appear on screen. They'll have little hearts over their heads, like in a thought bubble. And um, you can... I guess, rescue them or grab them. And those those individuals can be killed by enemy bullets or enemy shots. So that's something you have to watch out for when you're playing. Yeah, I always looked at it as you were trying to win over the hearts and minds of the people. And by using your shots, you can effectively win over their heart, which at that point, they join your cause. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a good way to describe it. Uh, now, you start out with one bomb, and you can have a maximum of three. And an interesting component of this game is that your bombs will recharge over time. So, once you get up to your, your maximum of three bombs, when you use one, 
then of course it'll just kind of start recharging and eventually refill. Right. Well, that's very similar to what we saw with Gregor earlier this year, right? You want to make sure that you're actually using your bombs instead of using them as a last resort to get out of trouble. Right. In fact, the game actively, that's a, a rising feature, right? Yep. And the game encourages you to do so. Is there are a lot of situations I found myself in I couldn't get out of very easily without using a bomb in between in order to mitigate that, like the uh, stage three boss in the chapel. Oh, that right. That fight just went on and on and on if I didn't use a bomb. Mm. So it's actively encouraged because it automatically refills on there and it can do a lot more than just get you out of a tough situation, just like it can with Garega. Sure. And like Garega or Batrider, there are situations where you can bomb stuff on the ground to earn extra points. Like in the first stage, there are a couple of large boulders that you can bomb. Or in stage two, there's a uh, there's a building that you can so the bomb. House, right? And yeah, jail. Like the big house. And then there's like a an underground jail that looks like a well with a with a grate over it, and you can bomb that to set people free. And uh, you know, a couple couple of spots like that throughout the game. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting little nod to to the rising titles again, uh, just in that feature. I'm hoping for some pink flamingos in the DLC. Right. <laughs> now, in regards to the bombs, the other thing is the game has an auto bomb feature. So if you've got a full bomb stock and you take a hit, you will auto bomb and then you will have no bombs left. Um, so it is, of course, incumbent upon you as the player to make sure that you are not taking a hit while you have a full bomb stock and that you are using your bombs uh, to avoid taking hits so that you don't lose them all. When you take a hit also, a whole bunch of hearts will shoot up and kind of spill out from where you died. Uh, and so you have to be really fast if you want to collect them all. And of course, the more powered up you are, the more hearts will spill out. Extends are score-based. Uh, so you get the first one at a million points, and then the second one at 2.5 million, and then the third at 4 million, and the fifth, uh, the, excuse me, the fourth at 5.5 million, and so forth. So it's it's basically you start at 1 million, and then every 1.5 million points after that, you get another extend. So the game is relatively generous with extends in that regard. There are two protagonists. The main character of the game is Amelia, or Amy, and her campaign kind of serves as the game's story mode because you actually get uh, dialogue sequences between her and the boss characters. She has a dual forward shot that is upgradable to level 3, which becomes wider and more powerful. Her focus shot narrows that down so that uh, it's not as wide, but is more powerful. She can have up to four active demon companions or options. And then her bomb has a large uh, sort of area of effect at the point where it's dropped. And it then, as the screen scrolls, the area of effect kind of scrolls with you. 
which is kind of neat because then you can plan you can do planned bombs where you drop a bomb at a certain point and then sort of have it taking out stuff as you go along and it will clear out enemy projectiles within that radius and you know incoming projectiles uh, and then the bonus character is called snow uh, in the earlier builds of the game she's unlockable by clearing the game or starting with build 1.1 she is uh, available from the start she has a wide shot that is a penetrating shot, which is very handy. And her, her wave shot also has this, this interesting feature where it repels bullets and so or enemy shots. So as enemy shots come towards you, like I said, most of the time they're blue. And so her wave shot, when an enemy projectile gets into the... Uh, the space of her waves, then that bullet will sort of start to turn around and then it will turn green in color and then fire back up toward enemies and will actually do damage. And so it's kind of an interesting, an interesting system with her character. Uh, the wave shot does become more narrow during focus shot like Amy's. She can only have two active demon companions versus Amy's four. Uh, and then her bomb creates sort of an area of effect around the snow herself that will clear out most enemy projectiles and enemies that it comes into contact with. So you can sort of bomb and then run around the screen and take stuff out. I'd like to take a short break here and talk about the game itself. The game was first designed around Emilia or Amy and then snow was added in and I have to say both are valid but one of the things that I took issue with or had problems with this game is the game's difficulty. I th Most of the time, the difficulty wasn't too bad, but I feel like it's, it goes from normal to hard to demonizer. And I think that there should be a little bit more of a scale involved with this. The Rising games had easy modes when... And I think that keeping the game normal being as difficult as it is, it's fun for people who are normally play SCGs and look for a challenge, but it may be a bit off-putting to expand the audience of the game. And I worry that people who will try it based upon what they've seen, either you play or Mark's review or anybody else's, I'll try it for themselves and then they'll play it for a couple minutes and then get obliterated and then say, well, this sucks. I'm moving on to something else. Sure. And I'm hoping that Iori changes up the difficulty and rebalances a little bit so that way it could be more of an accessible game because I like to see this game become physical. I like to see more people enjoying it. It's just a little stuff like this that keeps a little bit rough around the edges and needs to be ironed out if you were to examine snow and amelia as different ship types like you'd have in dodonpachi or you know really any cave title there the game was designed around amy and i had a hard time getting past really stage five with amy and it could be that hey i'm, I'm just not good enough to get farther along with this but i i definitely had some frustrations trying to get that far where snow was great to play as in a different character, but it felt more like an easy mode. And 
I would like to see it feel more like a different ship type than hey if you if you want easy mode you play snow if you want a, a challenge or normal mode you play Amelia right I, I I think that needs to be addressed sure sorry I'm gonna pause here and give you a chance to add in a little bit yeah no I mean I think I think I understand what you're saying and generally speaking I would agree I think an easy mode would be a great addition to the game uh, to make it a little bit more approachable for newer players because we'll, we'll get into more of this when we talk about the graphics, but obviously the look and the feel of the game harkens back to a kind of early 90s aesthetic that is kind of is, is sort of before we started to see the rise of the Manic Shmup and then, of course, before Dome Patch and Batsugan and games like that were released that sort of spearheaded what we now know as the Don Maku games. So I think an easy mode would be an easy sell, so to speak, in that you could put that in the game, lower the bullet count, maybe make things a little bit less, uh, less brutal, and make the game more approachable for newcomers beyond the quality of life features that uh, we'll, we'll talk about here. And the other thing that I'd like to talk about with the gameplay is there were a couple of stages, stage five in particular, where you'd be fighting, all of a sudden it would go to mid-boss, and all of a sudden it would hit a boss. I think that there needs to be a change of pacing a little bit there, where there's a little bit more to the level than just abruptly going to mid-boss and then boss. So I, I didn't notice that, you know, the stages one through four had great pacing. I didn't have any problems with that. And sta But stage five was where the game sort of started to run into some small issues. It wasn't enough to make me throw my controller down or, <laughs> or quit the game or anything. It was just sort of like, this just doesn't seem as well thought out as the rest. And, and it's not only demonizer there are other games that fall into this trap right you want to put most of the good content in the first part of the game because that's what most of the players are going to play right right so i get it it's just when stage five all of a sudden i'm fighting this guy all of a sudden i'm at the at the boss it felt a little bit jarring sure and i would like to see stuff like that added to so that way it makes it, it the the flow a little bit nicer um but for the most for the most part on here, I thought that the game had good pacing and played very well. Just some minor issues that need to be added or resolved in order to keep the game from achieving its true potential. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, the game has seven stages, and then a final boss or a true last boss. Uh, and so I, I get, I can get what you're saying. I mean, obviously with most things, you're going to front load the flashiest content and stuff like that toward the beginning of the game so that you're drawing people in again. That's where we're going to, they're going to spend a lot of their time. So yeah, it, do, it does make sense at some point to focus most of your design on those early stages because you know that's critical for building and maintaining player interest. Yeah, the only other thing that I was sometimes caught me a bit of a surprise 
was I suffered a, it's not quite Gradius syndrome, but it, it sort of felt like it where I was fully powered up and all of a sudden I was hit and you have instant respawns at the spot where you're at. So you're supposed to continue fighting the boss. But a lot of the bosses with their patterns and the way that they expect you to it is they expect you to sort of train your options or your shots on the boss while you're dealing with these popcorn enemies that are to the side. The game does a lot of asking you to look left and right in the boss fights, which can be might be troublesome for some people, and I, it certainly was something that I had to learn. Is most Don Maku games ask you to just focus on a single enemy and its pattern for the boss fight, right? Right. So th th this is asking you to look in many directions at once, and it gives you the option to sort of negate some of that by having homing shots. But if you die, then you're going to spend most of your time right below the boss, which makes it incredibly difficult in order to get back up and going. Yep. And that, those are the three main areas I would like to see addressed is difficulty in changing up so that it's more accessible, adding a little bit more to the flow and not so where it's a boss fight right after a mid-boss and allowing for maybe retooling a little bit so you're not having to you know, walk and shoot or look left and look right at the same time you're trying to fight. So make things a little bit easier for the people who are more used to just having your large enemy and focusing on the pattern instead of the uh, chaos that's going around you. Right. I mean, I would love to see Yori put in some more ship types or or characters like Snow. There, I think getting your with playing with monsters or demons or whatever have you, you really the sky is the limit on what you can do for adding in different ship types. And you could get all sorts of whacking creative stuff. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that part plays out. Okay. Makes sense. Now, in terms of quality of life features, the game does have uh, a fair number of them. Uh, there's a tutorial that you can play through, sort of explaining how to play the game. That sort of gives you a bit of a quick primer on the controls. Uh, it does have a practice mode, and you can start at any level, checkpoint, or boss, and you can specify the number of lives, your bomb stock, and your power level. So you can kind of simulate what it's like to be at that point in the game. Let's say you've mastered everything up to stage four boss. Then you can start at the stage four boss with uh, the requisite number of lives, power level, and bombs that you think you would have about that point. So that is a, a super handy feature. And I ended up using that quite a bit during the course of the month to uh, learn the game and and sort of get better at specific areas. Oh, I had used the level select so many times. Trying, and if if you start out with like stage two or stage three without any add-ons or weapons or stuff, it will force you to learn the game really quick and w w what works and what doesn't, and know exactly the enemy layouts and stuff that I have did you try that yourself yeah instead of going from stage one yeah yeah because there's there's the practice mode but then also in the campaign mode you can choose to start at any stage and that's what I was doing initially once I got through the first couple of stages all right and was able to start doing that then I started to go to stage three and just playing with that well I was doing that and I was starting at stage three with the one bomb and it 
at minimum power level. So it was actually harder than it would otherwise be because I was learning to route the game based on, okay, I got to power myself up and I got to make sure that I'm being very careful about this. Whereas with the practice mode, it was a lot more organic and felt more natural because I was able to, uh, I was able to go in and start a level at approximately where I think I would be from wherever I was previously, uh, assuming that I had played well and didn't take too many deaths or what have you. So, yeah. I start. I went full Gradius 3 with the starting on stage 2 or starting on stage 3, and sometimes I forget that I left it on de- Demonic, and oh man, those were tough fights, but... <laughs> When, when you go back, when you go back and you start playing normal on those stages, like, why is everything moving so slowly? Mm. What's going on here? So yeah, it it definitely was a challenge. It made me learn the game really quickly that way. But I definitely would suggest in the way that you did it, the more organic way. Right. Yeah, the practice mode is invaluable and really helps to to make the game a lot more accessible. I think. Uh, barring, you know, what you you said already about the difficulty, I think that practice mode alone can really help as you learn the game to sort of inch your way forward a little bit more easily. It also, as we mentioned earlier, has the inebriator uh, bonus game or mini game, which is just a single level, and it sort of has a risk reward system where you drink wine that there's wine glasses and bottles and stuff on the various tables in the area that that you're scrolling through, and you use that to power up. But, of course, as you drink more wine, you start to have blurry vision and you can't see as well, and I think it also impacts your movement a little bit. Uh, so it's definitely a, a fun little diversion and an interesting proof of concept for uh, what would eventually become the full game. Yeah, I would like to see something more done with that, because that was a really interesting idea. Yeah, I, I think it, it would almost be interesting to see a full a full game mode, like an arranged mode of the game, where instead of hearts that you were collecting, it was, it was wine. And you were playing a sort of full-on inebriator game, where the more wine you drank, uh, the more impaired that you would become... Uh, and so it would <laughs> make things pretty chaotic. And of, of course, we also mentioned the boss rush mode earlier. Uh, that does have its own unique music track, and you start fully powered up and with a large cache of lives and attempt to beat all the bosses. And that's no cakewalk. Uh, it definitely is challenging. It is. And the one thing that I'd say that sets Demonizer apart that I really like is it, it's... In some ways, it's a cover shooter. It wears the sounds, but it it's like an STG cover shooter with you know with the um, the aughts when you know, the mid two uh, thousands where Gears of War ruled, where everything was a cover shooter. There, I get that vibe from Demonizer, where a lot of the enemies will hide behind stuff and they're not able to be hit until they head out. And that's something that is unique to this game that I really draws me into is you have to wa- not only watch the patterns for their you have to make sure that they're visible. Right. Uh, one other thing that I'll mention, because it's something that I noticed in the options, uh, by default, you only see the hitbox for your character, 
which is a little heart, of course. Um, you only see that when you're using focus fire, but you do have the ability to turn that on so that it's always visible in the options. So when I was streaming throughout the month, I turned that on and that became very crucial for helping me to learn where I was vulnerable and make it a lot easier for me to to avoid bullets and things like that. So that's another quality of life feature that I think is is uh, really nice that the game employs. Well, now that you remind me of it, uh, I've been playing a lot of Natsuki. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Nats. Natsuki. Thank you. Uh, yes, Tun Twister Tuesdays. Uh, <laughs> Natsuki. Uh, Natsuki. Oh, jeez. Natsuki Chronicle. <laughs> Natsuki. Yes. Yes. The, the the third the the story where it is you're 13 years old now. You're old enough to save the world. Let's go. No. Um, <laughs> the. Uh, that game has a lot of quality of life features where it will actually show you the arc of the bullets and you can see the projectories on there. I'm sorry, trajectories on there. I may need to take a break here. I, I Apparently I've been playing Inebriator and I'm starting to slur my words here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the, the I like to see more, more of the stuff like that where you can sort of get an idea of where the bullets are going. It in some of the, with demonizer it can be barely controlled chaos especially with like the end of state well not the end of but let's say at stage three as you're right before you get into the church with a mountain of stuff throwing bullets at you that's just barely controlled chaos i would like to see maybe like a better indication of where it's going as a quality of life feature i don't know if that's possible hmm. Be interesting because within not Scooby, uh, oh boy, I can't say again. Within End Chronicles, <laughs> I, I, you can see the the bullet trajectories. You can you get different sounds for bullets on there. Like, hey, if if this is a high impact bullet, meaning it's going to come at you fast, and quick, you get a different sound versus a slower bullet. There's many different ways to the, do this, still. Yeah, and I guess that segues nicely into talking about the graphics because that's definitely something that I think could be an area of improvement for the game. I, I really like the kind of 16-bit Sega Genesis slash early 90s arcade look. One thing I learned is that apparently a lot of the assets are from RPG Maker, so that that gives that the game a, a very unique look and obviously a much more fantasy theme than your typical STG, where you're either blowing up spaceships, blowing up tanks and airplanes, or shooting down all kinds of, you know, weird aliens or whatever. Hey, not every STG can be an alternate history of World War II, shooting against European and American targets flown by people who speak German. Right. Yeah, speak German but look anime. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, but in regard to the the graphics, like I said earlier, enemy projectiles are mostly blue, uh, and they're sort of multi-tone blue, uh, so they kind of look similar to, um, not similar to, but in a similar fashion, I guess, to something like cave bullets, where they're usually multiple shades of the same color to not only give it 
an, an interesting look, but also sometimes make it more indicative of the hitbox or the hurt box. But um, there are a couple of examples where the bullets are different colors, such as the uh, the zombies, they bleed, so you get red uh, droplets that come in at you, or the boss at the end of that stage that in the graveyard that um, sort of cries these red uh, tears at you. Um, or there's an enemy in, uh, in one stage that runs around throwing Molotov cocktails at you, which are these sort of orange bottles. But I think one of the things that I've noticed as we've been playing so many of these games is that Cave found a way to do this very well by layering bullet colors together. When you go into a boss, you know, in Ketsui, for example, where you've got, um, I don't remember which stage it is. It might be the stage three boss or four. I don't remember. Anyway, where you've got uh, a bunch of blue bullets and then you've got a bunch of red bullets. And they sort of do interesting patterns where they kind of crisscross over each other or, or wave in and out of each other. And it's a way to give you a certain degree of visual acuity in terms of the ability to track those things and say, what is the greater threat, the blue bullets or the red bullets? And with Demonizer, you can't really do that fully because almost everything is blue. Uh, so it's more of an example of identifying which enemies on screen are the bigger threat because of their bullets or you know, what have you. So then it's a matter of trying to figure out what do I take out first or what bullets do I need to pay more attention to on screen because they're the ones that are more likely going to be a threat to me uh, versus the others. So I think that's an area where there could definitely be a little bit of improvement is if you used different color bullets to accomplish that. Now, obviously, that could kind of belie or betray that that 16-bit or early arcade aesthetic at some level, but I know we were seeing this in early games that we've already played, like Gridseeker, where they used multiple bullet colors. So I think it's possible to try and incorporate something like that, and I think that would be a, a good idea, you know, for future consideration. Yeah, yeah, all he has to do is add in a 32x add-on, right? Yeah. All set. <laughs> right, go 32x. So... In regards to this, I think that it was visually it was pretty easy to see. I never had a spot where I could decide, you know, this this killed me, and I have no idea why. I was thankful for that. It wasn't thankfully did not take a page out of Beta Gorega for that stuff because boy, were the bullets extremely hard to see in that game. Yeah, it was so bad they had to do a different revision, and then after that, M2 said this still isn't good and had to make them flashy. <laughs> So there is definitely room to grow there. But I think as far as portraying and allowing you to see where things are coming from, it's definitely easy enough to do. And, and I didn't find myself wondering why the heck I died. Yeah, there were a couple of spots in the game that I don't know what killed me, but it may have been more a situation where I was paying attention to certain threats and I just missed something. Uh, that would be my guess. I'd have to go back and watch the the replays to see, you know, what what it was that 
took me out those times, but... Did you set your hitbox to Odomedius? That may have done it. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I think the game uh, avoids that. And then, of course, the, the nice thing, though, is that your shots as a protagonist are pink, so they do contrast with the blue bullets, um, so that you're not confusing your own shots in any way for those that are coming from enemies. The one thing I will say about the enemy enemy fire is early on in the game, there are spots where they're throwing spears or pitchforks at you. Uh, those I found difficult to deal with at first because they're so different from regular bullets or projectiles that, I don't know, I guess I just had a hard time dealing with that. Once I got used to it, it was fine. Have you played on... Uh demonic difficulty they're heat seeking spears oh good grief or at least no they, they, they feel like it yeah especially on stage five no i have not done that yet <laughs> uh, but i mean over, overall i enjoyed the the look and, and the aesthetic of the game and i thought it was a refreshing change from the norm uh for the genre yeah it, it was it, it was nice to see something that isn't trying to ape something that's already established on here. It definitely is its own thing, but familiar enough where people are getting instantly recognized. And I, I think to the game's credit, it's one of those things that if you were to put in, you know, my life in gaming does a bunch of videos where they just throw in a random game on there. And a lot of people go, what is that game? I think that game, you get the same reaction from demonizer where people will watch and go, stop for a second and go, what is this? I'm pretty sure that happened with some of your raids that you had when you were streaming this game. Mm -hmm. the, the game could sell by its visual vis uh, its visual style alone. Yeah, especially for anyone who is particularly interested in retro gaming. And speaking of sellers, I have to say the soundtrack for this really helped sell me on the game. It would one of the standouts for me. The, in fact, the only time I was disappointed with the soundtrack is when I left the game on overnight on pause, and for some reason it stopped playing. Oh. So apparently eight hours, it said, nope, that's enough. You can't listen to this awesome music anymore. <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack so, is is fantastic. It is. And the soundtrack is done by Rigigato MS and is composed using the Deflomask DAW software as YM2612 music. So, those familiar with the Sega Genesis, that's what you're getting with this game. It's And this, keep in mind, this isn't the gem sound system. Oh, no. This is, this is music that seems very close to what a good master would have done. I... I Hesitated to call it Yuzo Koshiro level, but it is very, very good. Yeah, and and Deflamask, the Deflamask uh, digital audio workstation is a tool that a lot of modern chiptune artists use. And of course, you have access to all kinds of sound fonts and libraries based on existing games. So you can kind of mix and match elements of different things that... Um, give you the ability to really open up what the capabilities are of that chip. Uh, one thing I noticed when we were when I was playing the game through the month is that I think it's either stage three or stage four has a real heavy 
what is it? Um, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget what the game is now. Um, Vapor Trail. A heavy Vapor Trail vibe. And Vapor Trail is one of those games that is kind of notorious because it only has a very small handful of music tracks and they just sort of repeat as you play the game. But the one main theme from Vapor Trail is so good that I don't really mind that much that you get to hear it a lot because it's really good. And the tunes in this game, as I was streaming through the month, people who watch my streams will attest to the fact that I was whistling these these tracks a lot while I was playing. And they've been stuck in my head for weeks. Yeah, I really is surprised by this in well it's done it, as uh, I, I think fans of studio mud prints and the work in the test on here there is no singing mosquitoes in the soundtrack right yeah everything just sounds really good in terms of the music and and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what else Rigodato brings forth because if this is any indication, then whatever's coming next is going to be good. Yeah, I could definitely go for a remix or uh, alternate soundtrack or something along those lines. That would be great. And speaking of great, the voice samples in the game also sound like a Sega Genesis with a low bitrate recordings that have that really good scratchy effect. Yeah. It feels period appropriate on there. And it's it's not like they over blew it. They're that, sort of like the way that you did with, well, pretty much all the explosions in Steel Vampire. Right. Where everything's like, we blew out a speaker and then recorded it. You know, it's, it, 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 it's just right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there, I don't know if they were stock samples or if they were recorded particularly for the game, but I thought they fit well, uh, you know, when when you get the scream effect, when one of your demon uh, companions gets killed, it's like a ah! Or, or uh, the first boss in the game is your sister, Ange, and, um, or, you know, Amy's sister, I should say, the, the main protagonist. And she has this sort of blood-curdling scream when, uh, when you take her down before she then runs away. Or the, the second stage boss, the, the soldier on the top of the the building, has this sort of, uh, you know, that he makes when he falls over. And it's all, it's all really good, kind of evoking that 16-bit era uh, sound quality. Yeah, it almost is like someone went to the uh, Konami 90s arcade <laughs> sound repository. Hold on. It reminds me a little bit of that um, Sunset Riders type effect when someone's shot. You know, the the boss of stage one falls over. Oh, uh, bury me with my bury money. me with my money. <laughs> yeah, it really has that like that like early '90s Konami arcade style sound effects, but they fit very well. Well, at least uh, at least Iori didn't add insult to injury and do the whole. You need some practice after you die. <laughs> Jeez, no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, the, the sound effects are are the biggest stand out of the entire game. The sound effects and well, and the music. And it would be something that if, if I were to see, let's say, 
take a wild guess here, and East Asia saw a physical release, I would love to see a soundtrack for. Oh, for sure. All right. So on to scoring. Now, one of the one of the nice things about the game is that the items that you're collecting, the hearts that you're collecting, are also your key to scoring. The first heart that you collect starts out at 50 points, and then they go up in value 50 points for each one that you grab. So it goes 50, 100, 150, 200, and so on, uh, until you get to the max value that you can achieve. Uh, now, Snow caps out at 3,000 points per heart, but Amy caps out at 5,000. So, of course, her score ceiling is going to be higher than that that uh, you can achieve, generally speaking, with Snow. Uh, there are some additional end stage bonuses you can get. A no life lost or a no miss is 10,000 points. No item loss, meaning you didn't drop or fail to collect any of the blue hearts, that's 10,000 points. No team lost, so you didn't drop or fail to collect any of the pink hearts, again, 10,000 points. And then no friend loss, and uh, I think... I am interpreting that as you don't, you did not sacrifice any of your companion demons or bystanders. And again, that's 10,000 points. And one of the nice things is in the campaign mode, when you're looking at the, the list of stages, you can see that they're highlighted once you achieve them. So it kind of shows you your overall progress in, in getting those achievements for each stage. Um, there is no end stage bonus or end game bonus awarded after you fight the king in stage seven or the true last boss at the end of the game. Uh, so keep that in mind. Basically, whatever your score is at the time that you beat the true last boss, that's your score. All right. So let's move on to impressions of the game. We've shared some of our thoughts as we go through. Let's take a look at some of the thoughts of the R of Gen community. Our first thoughts come from Mini Console Man. Here's my best so far. Also, we resorted to using Snow to progress, and hopefully we can get the clear with her soon. I'm then planning to try and circle back and get the clear with Amelia. Really enjoying the game so far. And, yeah, I, I again, I, it's, I echo, it's, it's a really fun game, but I find myself really going with Snow too, and I'm not sure if that's, again, easy mode, training mode, something that will be interesting to as more and more people play the game to see if how that comes across. Sure. Zoido chimed in and said, I did another quick run before the end of the month and beat my score. Also, the first time I made it to stage six in a full run, played with mouse controls. Also want to say that besides the graphics and the stage design, I really love the soundtrack of Demonizer. Very well done, Iori. All right, and our next one, speaking of Iori, is from Iori Branford, the developer. Thanks to all players. This is the longest I've watched someone engage with the game, and so I've got some solid feedback. Stage 6 boss does seem to be the low point of the game, and I remember watching your streams with that. You were uh, quite frustrated <laughs> sometimes. Very. <laughs> well, I intended the game to be about reading and reacting to bullets more than memorization, she is probably asking a bit too much, and her core concept of this boss could be taken further with zombies, more interesting blood attacks, etc., Stage 5 boss might have a similar problem with how many attacks it fires off at once. And yeah, I, I, I'd agree with stage 5. There is definitely a lot going on. 
stage three, or not stage three, we talked about earlier stage two, no, stage three, right before the church, has what's barely controlled chaos when you're all those statues are firing at you and then mm, you have right the nun or whatever you want to call it shooting stuff on there that's barely controlled so dealing yeah dealing with the stage five boss where you just had all that plus more is maybe asking a little bit too much or could be controlled more with rebalancing and adding easier difficulties so that way by the time you get past child monkey and baby <laughs> <laughs> easy <laughs> As they did for these types of games, you can then move on to normal. Yeah, are you, so, are you asking Iori to go full psycho? Well, you know, if, <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna ape it, might as well ape it all. Put in a baby monkey and uh, easy difficulty. There you go. So some of the stuff he says to look for later to this here are Steam leaderboards and achievements, uh, console port. Who would have thought that? Huh. Right, fingers crossed. I hope we get a physical release from PlayAsia. I think this game deserves it. It just needs to to be uh, have a couple of the rough edges signed down and a proper Android release on Google Play. Yeah, I'm definitely looking to play some Demonizer on the go. Yeah, and I I want to mention a couple things there because the Android release. Yeah, right now the only way to get it is on the itch.io release. Uh, so when you buy it on itch, you get exi- you get access to all the builds uh, so you can then get access to Windows, Mac, Linux, the Pi version, and the Android version and of course you have to sideload that uh, because it's just the APK so I did that earlier and messed around with it a little bit and it's it controls pretty well and it, it feels and plays pretty well. It looks real nice I mean I've got a Samsung Galaxy S20 so I have a, already a very nice bright good screen to play on i generally say when you're playing mobile shmups that it's better to play on a tablet versus a phone because phone of course is a small enough screen that it's harder to read and when you're talking about a don maku style game with a lot of bullets and a lot going on it's it's harder to see what's going on i think the 16-bit kind of graphical aesthetic helps in that regard because it's a little less chaotic than something like a like a cave mobile port might be on a small screen, um, or Danmaku Unlimited Three, for example, since that started out as a mobile game, or Akata Blue. Uh, so, yeah, generally, I think it would work better on a tablet. However, one thing I did notice is it has that nice feature where wherever you put your finger to start moving the character around it doesn't your character doesn't jump there that just becomes the point at which you move and pivot your finger around in order to move so since the screen the aspect ratio is supposed to kind of mirror that of a tate 4x3 screen or similar there's area at the top and the bottom of the screen that's just taken up by artwork or you know free space so a lot of times I could kind of put my finger there toward the bottom and control it and then not have to worry about obs- obfuscating the, the screen space so that I wasn't seeing bullets and hazards and things. That helps. The other thing I'll say is it does slightly change the control scheme so that your standard shot fires when you're not touching the screen uh, and then when you're 
pressing and holding your finger on the screen to move around, it switches to focus shot. But of course, since you've got variable speed movement with with uh, using your finger like you would with a mouse, you're not slowed down by that. And then uh, you do two fingers on the screen to use a bomb. And I think overall it works pretty well. So I was I was pleasantly uh, pleased and surprised with the the uh, Android version. And actually, when I was messing around with it earlier, I ended up getting another clear with snow <laughs> on the Android version. So I oh, felt pretty congrats. good about that. But yeah, so it would be great, though, to see that actually in the Android, you know, the Google Play Store, so that for those who aren't as technical and don't know how to sideload apps or don't want to sideload apps because you're afraid of getting viruses and things like that, it would be nice to eventually see it in the marketplace to to purchase. The other thing I will say is I don't want to make any bold predictions, but if you go to Eori's Twitter account, there's at least one tweet that has a pretty good hint as to what console the game might be coming out for. And I'll just leave that there so that all of you can go and and check out Eori's Twitter account and see for yourself if you can uh, also guess which console that, that might be getting a release for. Uh, sounds like an itch to scratch. Indeed. Alright, do you want to take us over the high scores? Yeah. Uh, so I split these out based on the, uh, the characters for the campaign because, as you noted earlier and we've kind of talked about, they both play very differently. Uh, so Zoido clocked in at 6 million... 560,012 points using Amelia or Amy in the campaign mode. And I ended up getting a clear with Snow uh, in the campaign mode and earned 12,108,592 points. Uh, and we did not have any submissions for Boss Rush or Inebriator, inebriator mode, so uh, nothing to report there. Shoot, I should have submitted. Yeah, yes. All right. With, with that going, what are your final thoughts on the game? I had a lot of fun with this game. I will say, when I first started, and I actually, I actually downloaded this game and played it for a few minutes prior to starting the month to make sure that, you know, I had a handle on the mechanics and, and all of that. And I think that's one of those things that I'm going to start doing is to spend a few minutes with it rather than having my first stream be a blind play. The first time I played it, I I knew exactly what you were talking about before, about having some trouble reading the screen and seeing what was going on, and I thought, this game is difficult. How am I ever going to get anywhere? Because I barely got to the end of stage one, and I got smoked by those... Uh, those pitchforks or spears or whatever that that the uh, first boss throws at you. But once I got in and started playing, uh, I started to make progress. I started to feel like, okay, I kind of get what's going on here. I, I I see what need you know what I need to do. And then once I kind of hit a wall with Amy, I moved over to Snow, and then I started to progress more. And like I said, eventually ended up getting the clear in the month and then I went back and started playing as Amy again and I've been able to make it actually 
relatively far. I think I've been able to get all the way to the stage 5 boss, if not stage 6, maybe once, which I think is about where Zoido's at. As Iori mentioned, the, the stage 6 boss was a wall, even with snow, that was a wall for a while. It becomes difficult to read all those bloody tears. And didn't he also verify that that boss is heavily RNG? Yes, he said that on stream, that that boss has the most RNG of any any of the bosses in the game, which does make that fight harder, because it then becomes more about reading the, reading the bloody tears as they're coming down and reacting to them instead of having a set pattern to dodge. And I'll agree again with you and with what Iori said about the stage 5 boss that might might have too many attacks firing at once. I think <clears throat> the stage 5 boss would be easier if, as I said, it was a more varied set of different colors of bullets or different colors of projectiles. That would certainly make the stage 5 boss easier to fight because the screen would be a lot easier to read. But I do think he's right that it might be too many attacks at once, and it might just be a situation where, you know, you throw in everything but the kitchen sink, but, you know, you might need to pull a couple of ingredients back and make the stew just a little bit more full-flavored instead of, let's just throw in everything. But I think overall, this is a, a very solid initial offering and as a first shmup you know not counting the twin stick game that that Yori made earlier or inebriators the demo which i think in and of itself is is a fun little game but as a first fully realized shoot 'em up this is a solid game and something that i can that i can easily recommend to I, what i would say is enthusiast fans of the genre Casual fans may have a harder time picking this one up, uh, but if you're into the Rising games, if you're into more of the cave-style games and that sort of of uh, side or end of the genre, then I would say this is a relatively easy recommendation just because for the price and for what you get and for the level of quality that it is, as as I said, an initial offering, I think it's a pretty a, a pretty good bet, and I I look forward to seeing what Iori does to improve the game in future builds, and then also what may be coming down the pipeline with a future game, because I think this is a great jumping off point to potentially even better things. Yeah, I agree with a majority of your sentiments on here. I think that it is currently aimed for the enthusiast crowd instead of the casual crowd. I think it would do well with the casual crowd and reach an even wider audience. Is This game is just a little bit rough around the edges in order to get, once those are sanded down and fine-tuned out, the, I think the game can go far, especially if it sees a widespread Switch release. Is if you look at something like um, I almost said Devil's Curse, it's not Devil's. Curse. If you look at like uh, Devil Engine, their Devil Engine just by the graphics alone sold very well, and people were talking about it. Uh, legalities aside, for quite a while, and I, I think that Demonizer has a chance to be on that level 
and be seen and played by the casual crowd go, oh yeah, I remember this. This looks really cool. It, it just needs to work out the difficulty and appeal it to different variety of people and fix a couple things. And the one thing I didn't mention before that I don't know if it was just me, or I should say I thought it was just me until I saw it on a Steam review, was the texture used for the road in Stage 5. It it did something with my eyes. It was like really hard to follow when that was scrolling so fast. And I almost had to just sort of visually block it out and just focus on the bullets. I don't know what it was with that. It's the only point in the game that that was ever a problem. Yeah, and I don't think you're the only one, because I believe someone in a Steam review also said the same thing. That that was uh, distracting and, and difficult to kind of visually get your bearings. Um, I didn't have so much problems with it, I think, because I sort of naturally just was focusing on enemies and projectiles. Uh, and so the you know the fast scrolling didn't really bother me that much. But I can see how it could be distracting. I wonder if it also has to do with the monitor and how fast your monitor is displaying that and something's moving on there, or if it's just it can cause problems with that, or maybe it's one of those things where only certain people can see it and causes problems for them and everyone else says... I don't see any problems for it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it, overall, Demonizer is an easy recommend, as you mentioned, to an enthusiast crowd. And I would love to see it grow and be something that is promoted and shown upon like Devil Engine to the casual crowd, where it gains a wider audience. I would definitely welcome a Switch release on from East Asia Soft with the soundtrack. There and I look forward to what Iori has next. Excellent. Well, speaking of what's next, in April. Yeah. Oh no, May. May at this point. Well, we're we're just getting into April as we record this, and so uh, what we're playing right now is Veritra Complete Edition, which is available on Steam, and uh, as far as I know, it's a PC only release. So um, Mac and Linux folks are sadly. Uh, left in the dust, but uh, those of well, you who are rocking what about a PC, the mobile port? what's that? Are we going to count the mobile port? Um, the, well, the, the mobile original in this case. Yeah, the, as far as I know, it's not available anymore. Well, that's not good. Yeah, but we'll be able to talk about it uh, at least because it's included with the uh, the main game. Uh, and then in May, we are going to be tackling uh, another Psycho game. Uh, it's been a while since we did Strikers 1945-2, and this time we are going to be looking at Gunbird, which of course was originally an arcade game, and has released uh, on PS1, uh, Saturn, PlayStation 2, and then more recently Switch and PC. Now, for those uh, of us in North America... The PlayStation version of the game came out as Mobile Light Force with uh, a sort of faux Charlie's Angels looking cover. And there were some changes made to it, but as far as I'm aware, the core game is basically the same. But you might be better off playing uh, one of the other versions just so that you're not getting the, uh, I'll say, compromised port. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine that most people are going to be played on Switch, or they're going to Switch emulation, or... PC. Uh, PC, 
or Switch emulation or um, yeah, PS. See, I don't think very many people are going to play the PS2 or Saturn release. Yeah, I'll probably mess around with the Saturn release because I have access to it. But yeah, I imagine most folks outside of the the collectors will be going for one of the modern ports. Yeah, it's it's sold on the eShop and it's also available on the collection, right? Yes, uh, there was a uh, NIS America did the the Shooting Stars Alpha and Bravo collections uh, physical for the Switch that uh, are probably still in stock, and those are those are nice collections with some extras like a soundtrack CD and and some artwork and stuff. Mark has talked quite a bit about the input lag on the Switch versions, and so be aware of that before you decide what what ports to play. As far as I know, they are improved upon in the Steam versions, uh, so just keep that in mind. Um, I'm not as sensitive to input lag, but I know there are those who are, so um, just something to remember before choosing which version that you want to play for May. Alright, and as we move on, I'd like to say thanks and shout out Studio Muppets, Bullet Heaven for the logo. And to thank Kogasu for the intro and outro music. Everybody at R of Generation and the R of Generation Playcast. And to thank Metalfro for streaming some very interesting STGs with uh, some interesting dogs. <laughs> Always keep things lively. Yes. Uh, it's, like it. it's it's a challenge as to whether or not uh, whether or not death will come from an enemy bullet or because there was a dog that got up in my face and prevented me from seeing said enemy bullet. Yes, I can make a joke there about dog bullets, but I will not. Um, so, <laughs> and I also like to thank uh, DJ Psycho M1 for keeping themes lively with the No Emulation crew on Tuesdays. On Twitch and his shmup cat. Oh yes, Egon. Alrighty. Well, if you would like to connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at shootcorecast. You can also follow me directly at GameboyGuru. Uh, please come join rfgeneration.com and join us for a shmup club playthrough. You can also join our Discord channel and check out the dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic. Uh, if you would, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your preferred platform. And you can find links to links to all of our feeds at linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast. And as mentioned, follow me on Twitch. Uh, I am Guru Game Boy there, twitch.tv slash Guru Game Boy, to get notifications of new streams and watch me stream the shmup of the month. Anything else that we need to uh, need to touch on before we wrap up? I'd like to say th- thank you to everyone out there who enjoys playing STGs. Keep on at it, and we'll catch you next time. That's right. Shooting game, never die. See you next month. <laughs>